In this episode of 2000 Bucks, marketing guru Chris Brogan teaches us the six keys to amplify our marketing efforts. And listen closely because one of these six keys is a multiplier and hence extremely important. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self-help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vaya. Okay, so let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to sit down with one of the founders of great startups of today like Dropbox, Wikipedia, Udemy, Airbnb, Groupon, and ask them real detailed stories of how they got started, how they went from $0 to the first sale to $1,000 to $100,000 to million, 10 million, 100 million, even a billion dollars. I mean, how do they really go through those steps? That's what my friend Andrew Warner is doing at Mixergy, and I absolutely love the de- level of details he gets out of these founders. It's unprecedented. For example, when Andrew interviewed co-founder of Udemy, Gagan Bayani, Andrew really drilled into how Udemy grew from nothing. Why did they fail for a whole summer to get any customers? How did they find a partnership? How did they make their first sale? How did they finally get traction? Andrew has done over 1,000 such interviews with some of the biggest names, and they are really helpful. And you can find all of them at Mixergy.com. Mixergy's annual membership is $399 per year, but for this launch of 2000 Books Podcast, Andrew has been very kind to give away three annual Mixergy memberships. And you can win one of these three annual Mixergy memberships worth $399 each by just texting the word SUMMARY to 44222, and you will have all the details as to how to enter the launch contest. Okay, so now let's get into the interview. Chris Brogan is the CEO of Owner Media Group and the author of eight books, including New York Times bestseller, Trust Agents. Forbes listed Chris as one of the must-follow marketing minds of 2014 and listed his website as one of the 100 best websites for entrepreneurs. Today, we're talking about his book, Impact Equation. Are you making things happen or just making noise? I'm really excited to be talking to Chris today, and here we are cutting right into my conversation with Chris. Uh, Please give us like a, a brief overview of the book. What should the reader expect here? Maybe so after after yeah. trust agents, what happened was we had the realization that people maybe weren't or, or didn't take all our advice in trust agents and didn't really apply it. And so the option to have gone you know, forward in sort of a fast way was lost to some people because we're still on the fence about whether or not they wanted to do some of what we recommended. So when we wrote Impact Equation, we realized that the world is just getting louder and louder and there's more and more distractions and people are very... Uh, they, they don't know where to put their time and they're very unsure of what the value that they're getting from all the various places they're spending their time is online. And so what we did, what we sought out to do was create sort of a guideline, a very simple equation that lets people measure themselves and decide how impactful they think they're being and then decide where to put their time and effort. So we just took the word create and turned that into the way that anyone could sort of judge themselves. And so you could write the word create in front of you right now as you're listening to Mani and I, and you will find that a very valuable thing because we'll probably talk about it in a lot of different ways. Sure. And uh, let's jump right into it. Create stands for C contrast. R reach, E exposure, A articulation, T trust, and E echo. Um, what we want to talk about, or what I am really interested in, I think what you guys say is 
contrast is the biggest part of this whole equation, probably the most important part of this equation. Is that right? Because it's a multiplier here. Yes. And, and, and contrast, of course, you know, what makes what you're saying any different than everybody else. And I'm forever amazed how many people say back to me expressions that I know a lot of my other writing colleagues have created. You know, so people are always telling me how they're going to crush it, like Gary Vaynerchuk or be a hustler like Lewis Howes, or they're going to define their purple cow like Seth Godin. And it's great because we all know what those words mean. But the minute that we're sort of, you know, saying the same thing as everybody else, then why wouldn't we just go to the source? And so I think that uh, contrast being very important comes around when we realize that we have to say things in a way that that really uniquely explains our version of things. Two or three of my colleagues, for instance, I sell a lot of what my business is, is I sell courses online for different uh, business functions. And a lot of my colleagues right now are making very similar courses. And it made me think, well, hmm, how, what, what's the difference between mine and theirs? And so that's where contrast comes in. And I think that everyone has that, that challenge in front of them. There's not anyone out there that's not doing something that other people are also doing. And if you think you are truly and utterly unique, that's probably not exactly true. And you have to revisit who you think your uh, potential uh, category partners are. Right. And uh, would you say contrast in some ways is associated with niching down to what where you fit the best or where you can serve the market the best and making sure that's where you hold it? Sometimes, although I, I have quite a bit of an aversion to the concept of niching down because I think that a lot of times people get into really weird corners um, that way. And I think that when people start to think in that mindset, where they go in their head, as far as I can understand, is they say, what's going to be the most profitable small segment of this process? And I think that people get that a little wrong insofar as uh, if you ask by the question of how do I pursue the best profit, you're very likely going to fall into an area where you're not as uh, tied to it emotionally and you're not as tied to it experientially. Because most of us who are you know, chasing profit, we're, we're doing that in such a way that we're not um, – you know, there's two ways to go after profit. One is to go after people that we don't really understand or, or things that we don't really understand and try to earn that opportunity. Or we can work into an area where we really understand things and that we can serve those people better because we really know from where they're coming. And I think that B is better. So to me, that's different than niching because what I'm saying is not go after, you know, break and narrow down until you find exactly the most profitable group. I'm saying find the one where you resonate the most with what they're saying and doing and believing and you're going to have a better chance of making more money and more mm -hmm. value. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in this interview, usually we'll go down the three most important ideas in the book and we can do that or we can talk about each of these uh, R-E-A-T-E as well. What do you think? I, th I think we should do the R-E-A-T-E uh, because I think if I, if I were to say that there's just one really important point, it's to understand what those six different variables are okay. and understand how you're going to apply them. Okay, let's do it. So the next one is reach, which I guess it means how far we can go, right? Yeah. So um, I usually pair reach plus exposure. And, and the reason I do that is that reach plus exposure is what basic marketing and advertising is and has been forever. So uh, if I run a hot dog stand in my town and I stand outside and I have a little you know booth with hot dogs, then my reach is really going to be the people who see me standing on the booth and possibly some small amount of people who tell their friends, you know, referrals or whatever. Uh, if I put an ad in a newspaper locally, 
then whoever reads that newspaper, that'll extend my reach a little bit. If I put an ad every day in the newspaper, then that becomes exposure, meaning how the repetition of my message in lots of, you know, in, in whatever places I'm saying it. So repetition kind of comes into play with exposure. You know, how often are people being made aware of what you're doing? If my ads every single day just said, man, I make delicious hot dogs, then sort of the value of that exposure goes down as, as over time because you already know that that's what I'm saying. So reach plus exposure is the basics of marketing and advertising. So what a lot of times what I'll say to people is that, you know, somebody big like Nike, for instance, if you decide to make a new shoe, um, I have some friends in Portland, uh, Oregon area who, are, who have a running shoe that they've created that competes with Nike, let's say. And so they are making this shoe and they need more people. There's no way they can outperform Nike on reach plus exposure. That's Nike right. has, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars they put towards that and you and I don't. And so I say, oh, well, then maybe what you shouldn't do is compete on reach plus exposure. On the other side, however, things like social platforms, you know, things like using Twitter or Pinterest or whatever, that allows you to have a lot of free reach and exposure. It just might not be as much exposure, you know, might not be as many people as you need. And it might, uh, you know, reach wise, and it might not be as often as people need to see it because of the flow of those kinds of networks. So, that's what we look at when we look at uh, reach plus exposure. So reach and exposure are definitely a function of your marketing budget in some ways. Even though with social media you can get, as you said, you can get free exposure. And especially if you can talk to your specific avatar or whoever it sure. is, maybe you get a lot further. But still, that's not where you want to play the game when you start. That's what you're saying. Or, or maybe, you know, that uh, most people have to realize that reach plus exposure is probably their weakest suit. If they're starting, if they have not much of a budget, if they are trying to be seen and heard by the people that matter to them, uh, again, to your point, unless they really know who they serve very specifically and they can get involved in those communities. Uh, if you're a fitness person, Instagram puts you in touch with lots and lots and lots of people. So if you maybe make apparel for fitness uh, people, then you'd have a lot of great exposure uh, by being connected to uh, various hashtags, for instance, inside of Instagram. So there's ways to kind of short circuit it. But to your point, that is most people's weakest suit, you know, in competition. You know, for instance, if I saw myself, let's pretend like I'm competing against, I don't know, Tony Robbins. I decide I want to go against him as, you know, leadership guy. He's got more money than me. I mean, he's, he has a bunch of Bentleys out in front of his house and roses, <laughs> and I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have, one, I have one dented up old car. <laughs> so, um, you know, if I want to compete against him, it's not going to be in advertising. It's going to have to be in contrast. It might be in trust, and it might be an echo. So that's, I guess, how we'll keep moving. That's right. That, that makes so much sense to be first be aware of where we are with respect to our competition. So we can now add value where we think is the best used. And uh, let's move on to the next one, I guess, articulation. How briefly and how simply can you say your message and how clearly do people get it? Um, I love kind of unique, interesting phrasing. I love wordplay that, uh, you know, I'm a writer, so I love words. I love words that evoke interesting emotional reactions and things like that. However, it turns out when you're looking to buy something, you might want to think about how you're putting those words out there because when people are looking to buy it, they might not realize that that's what you're selling. And I am forever amazed by people's attempts to be clever in selling something that make it very unclear what they're selling. 
you know, and I do it myself. So I, I'm, I'm saying first and foremost that I am every bit as guilty of this as any other person that's, that's paying attention to you and me right now, which is, you know, I'm not making it very clear what I sell and why. And huge companies have this problem sometimes too. Uh, Reebok started out, their, their sort of big value proposition back in the day was that they're the fitness people's brand. And that was, you know, for instance, in the 1980s when aerobics uh, was the exercise of choice, they were really well known as the brand for aerobics. They weren't trying to sell running shoes per se. They had some, but they were great for if you were in home, I don't know, with your leg warmers and you were watching Sweating to the Oldies with Richard Simmons or whatever. So they tried to become a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And they decided fairly recently, we've got to really get back to our roots as a fitness brand. And so that's why they partnered with Spartan Race and CrossFit and the UFC uh, MMA fighting because they decided those are their people. And so uh, I think with articulation, they this, one of their ways they articulate is they said, we are a fitness brand, meaning we're not a sports brand. You know, we're a fitness brand. You can do sports in our shoes, fine, but you know, we support fitness people. And I think that that's, to your point about niching down earlier, I think when people really clearly get what the tool is, then they'll sort of identify if they're the right buyer for you. And so the kinds of people who are looking at BMWs are not the kind of people who are also thinking about Hyundai. Uh, neither car is good or bad. It just means that, you know, a BMW person wants some certain status as well with their vehicle or they love German engineering. And it's not up to you to decide which one that you're, you're shopping, to, uh, selling to, except to say that you might start to understand where you compete better. Maybe your engineering quality is so good that that's how you, you know, put the message out. And that's what, that's what BMW does. Hyundai says, you know, we're elegant at an affordable rate. So they're shopping for people who want to aspire to wealth, who want something that looks and, and acts like a nice vehicle, but might not have the status. And so I, I think that it's important with articulation to know, you know, know yourself so that you know your buyer. That's right. And this is where uh, you're saying that this is where even a new guy, the small guy, the starting entrepreneur can actually stand out and make a difference rather than try to make a difference in the area of reach and exposure. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example from my world. So Lewis House is a friend. David Seitman Garland is a friend. They all sell a product online about how to make an online course. So do I. So my product is a little different than Lewis and David's in one very specific way. I don't go after young hustlers. I go after older people, 35 to 75 years old, who are not considered the cool kids and who are not considered, you know, super savvy, super, uh, you know, social types of, of people. These are people who are maybe uh, deciding what they want to do next. So because of that, I, I attract them in a very different way. I use different words. I am a little bit more formal than uh, Lewis and David, and I articulate the value a very different way. I, I say, you know some really important stuff. You should sell your brains. You know, these things that, you're, that you have inside, other people need to know, and you could stand to make money from doing that. These other uh, versions of what the other guys are selling, they say you can create a profitable online course. So they're saying you can make money because you're trying to build these residual income lifestyle businesses where you can sit on the beach while you're making money. Mm. We're selling the same thing. We're both yeah. selling how to make a course. My proposition is a little different. So articulation makes you stand out, which is much more important than standing out. I always try to stress this is that people resonate with you. And we'll get to that when we get to Echo. But it's really important that when they understand really clearly what you do, then they'll know whether or not they're the right person to buy from you. 
Yeah, and it seems like contrast and articulation are so intricately tied together because articulation just means it's like you better express precisely what you are trying to do. You better be yes. able to clarify and give clarity to your message. And simply, you know, just very simply, Michael Port has a new book out called Steal the Show, and it's, a, it's about how to speak better, basically, how to guarantee a standing ovation for all the performances in your life, from speeches to interviews to deal-closing pitches. So he's not saying how to be a speaker like TED Talks. He's not saying how to whatever. He's saying steal the show. The word steal, meaning, you know, we are going to be so good that they're going to remember us forever. And that's his promise. That's very well articulated in just three words. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's move on to T&E, trust and echo. Trust and echo. They relate as well. So I sometimes, uh, like I said, I bundle reach and articulation, uh, sorry, uh, reach and exposure. I also sometimes bundle trust and echo. Trust is pretty clear. Do people trust you? Do they, do they believe that you are going to do what you say you're going to do? And echo is, do people see themselves in what you're doing? And so the example I used in the impact equation, for instance, was there's a lot of bands who go around to different venues and they scream out, hello, Cleveland. And then there's Adele who talks to her audience, the people that are there to see her, as if they're best friends. And she talks to them and makes eye contact with them and, and asks them questions and things. And so with Echo, do people see themselves in you? And a lot of what we do in business, a lot of people's version of making business is to do it very uh, removed from everybody else, meaning uh, don't put you in the business, try to be separate from the business. And I think that that's a mistake. I think that we want to see ourselves in a business. I, one of my biggest entrepreneurial idol is Sir Richard Branson. I Just for fun, I shaved my head, but for a while I had my hair long like him. I have a lot of the same opinions as him. I, I reread his, I'm listening to one of his audiobooks in my car right now because I just really appreciate his mindset and I want to keep it fresh in my head. That's Echo. You know, I buy Virgin Airline tickets because I like Richard Branson. And I think that that's one of those things that a lot of business people miss or skip is they think that they should be removed from the business. But most of the businesses that we talk about the most are the ones that have some sort of flavor that makes us uh, that brand kind of person. You know, we're, we're the kind of person who likes Uber because we think we're modern because of that. Or we like uh, Mark Echo clothing and, and anything else he's decided to do because Mark Echo is sort of a street type of thing or an urban type. So, you know, that's in Echo, that's the biggest opportunity. With trust, I mean, it's just so basic. What we did also for trust, by the way, is we stole liberally from our friend Charlie Green and David Meister, uh, who wrote the best book on it ever called The Trusted Advisor. And so we just very intentionally uh, rehashed some of the stuff in their very legendary 1990s book, The Trusted Advisor, because who are we to say we know it better than the experts? But that's also the other reason we wrote Trust Agents is because the whole concept of trust is one of those things that a lot of businesses uh, have lost, have damaged, have risked, and they're not spending enough time considering as one of their valuable assets. But for instance, I think that when we trust an organization, we spend more with them. And when we trust people, we spend more with them because we know that even if something isn't handled perfectly, everything will be done to make well on it and that we'll be treated better in the longer run. That makes sense. And uh, again, the two books that you mentioned, um, I think one of them was The Trust, trust Advisors. And, the oh, Steal the Show that I just said? or Steal the Show or maybe Branson's book that you're talking about. Oh, just, sure. My favorite Branson book is Business Stripped Bear. 
I've read a bunch of his books, but my favorite is Business Stripped Bear, which is kind of his, uh, I don't know, Bible's the wrong term, but it was his one of his first approaches of trying to explain his adventures as a global entrepreneur. Other people tend to prefer the virgin way, which is how he tries to express what his brand was all about. But I think Business Stripped Bear helps more people because it allows you not to try to copy his brand, but instead to make your own take at it. Perfect. So... To summarize, the equation is contrast multiplied by all of the above added up, which is reach, exposure, articulation, trust, and echo added up. Yeah. And if you were to give our listeners or your listeners three actionable action items or exercises from this book, what would they be, Chris? Because, I mean, we believe that there's no learning without really doing anything with it. So. I believe that as well. I would say that the, the very first thing to do is to actually write out the trust equation for yourself. You know, I mean the impact equation, write out, create, and sort of make a one to 10 visual scale by just drawing, put the words create at the bottom of a piece of paper, draw lines up from them where the lower and closer to the letter is sort of like on your equalizer on your phone or something like that, your your graphic equalizer and, and rate yourself. And maybe your contrast is low. Maybe you sound like everybody else. So maybe you have to think about that. Maybe your reach and exposure aren't very big. We've already stated that, you know, Nike uh, is top of that chart, let's say. Um, and you and I are probably at a one or two. <laughs> Then just come with all of that and look at that impact equation. Then ask the second question, where could you apply yourself? Where could you make a big difference? And how is it going to help grow your business? Is contrast really what people need the most or do they need to trust you more? Do they need echo? Do they need to see themselves in you? Is your business not even the kind of business they need to sell? If you're selling, you know, if you're, if you're selling, I don't know, naan on the street corner and you're just selling cool bread, then who cares? You, you maybe just need to be trusted. So maybe contrast doesn't matter at all. So I think that once you draw the equation, figure out where you are in the equation, then decide where you want to put your effort, write down a list of three to five things you want to do to take action to to bring up one of those qualities. And keep asking the question, what would make my buyer perceive this higher than what it is right now? You know, if if your articulation is very low, how can I make it so that my buyer thinks that they really totally get what I do? If your trust is really low, how do I do more to, to embody trust? And I think you'll find that people taking those three pieces of action together will be able to map their own course as opposed to do what all the other types of people out there do, which is say, you know, follow my exact instructions and you will live. I'm, I'm giving you the tools to make your own map. Perfect. And before we close this discussion, I want to briefly touch on a, something you started the book with, the idea of the apple tree versus the lettuce farm. Those occasions, that's, it's funny because that's a Julian Smith thing. and. He has these great analogies that it takes me, uh, even as a co-author to the book, years to understand. Um, He had one about, would you rather be uh, a hallway or a room? I think in the same book. And I was still kind of going for years, like, I don't really get what you're telling me, Julian. Um, And, you know, it's funny because I think that, um, you know, we we had a lot of conversation about this. And he said that, you know, Everything is a matter of what you're going to do. So uh, Lettuce Farm is basically put a little bit of effort in and you'll get a little bit of result. And it's pretty good because you see it pretty fast. Everyone's looking after fast results. But with an apple tree, you've got to make a lot of effort. And you've got, you've got to expect that there's uh, you know, a lot of tending and nurturing to make things happen. And that's, I think, a really important thing for entrepreneurial people to learn is that long game 
profit and gain does not show for quite a long time and you have to be a lot more patient. And I always say to people, slightly different than Julian's uh, version of that, what I always say to people is with the seeds of the world, you have to know that sometimes you have to eat the seeds because you're going to die and other times you have to plant the seeds because if you eat them all now, then you can't eat later. And so it's always a question of how many of your seeds can you plant versus how many can you eat. It's a very interesting concept and makes so much sense yeah. as an entrepreneur when we're struggling to make it happen. Well, this has been a great learning experience for me, and I'm sure it is for all our listeners, Chris. Uh, how can they get more of what you're teaching? And also tell us a little bit about the other things you're doing other than writing. Other than writing? Do I do things other than writing? Um, <laughs> so, no. I. You can go to chrisbrogan.com, and there's a little pop-up box for a newsletter. Get on that newsletter because it is the best thing I do every week and it comes out every week. Um, the other things I'm doing besides writing is I'm, I'm really trying to work on concepts that are going to help some of my entrepreneurial friends stay employed. Uh, it's, it's very interesting that a lot of people, you know, business in general, small business has a 90 plus percent failure rate. And it seems that my friends who are starting online businesses are failing because they're not actually going after the fundamentals and they're not they're spending their time in weird places. So now I'm trying my hardest to come up with ways to devise to better explain to them where their time might be better spent and give them tools to measure that with. So that's where I'm putting a lot of my effort is helping people in the digital focused side of things develop business and giving them advisory services to to make it work better. Well great Chris, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank my you very pleasure. much. My pleasure. Thank you. By the way, if you want a free summary and action guide of this book or any of the books featured on our podcast, or if you want to win one year of Mixergy membership worth $399 for free, just text the word summary to 44222 and we will reply back with all the details. Okay, my ambitious friends, I'll see you next time.